Strike, O mighty one, our sacrifice begins. We commence. Spellberg, a podcast about the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. It's time to party like it's 1974. GaryCon may have been canceled, but virtual GaryCon seemed to be quite the hit. And now Goodman Games is hosting its own online convention this weekend, CyclopsCon. So today we're talking about online gaming in the world of social distancing. I'm Jeff, and with me today is Jen. Uh... Keep your six feet, please. <laughs> and Julian. They told me this is a bar, but it looks really empty. <laughs> and today we are joined by special guest, Bruce Cunnington. Hey guys, it's really great to finally be talking to you here. Yay! <laughs> Welcome to the show, Bruce. Yay. Yeah. Great to be here. And belated happy birthday. Oh, yeah, yeah. thank you. We didn't get to celebrate at GaryCon again, did we, this year? But, you know, maybe next year. Exactly. Definitely. <laughs> All right, so let's head on into the tavern. Welcome, friends. Good to see you. I only had one drink to calm my nerves. And give it a drink of your most expensive. Tavern talk. So this is where we chat about what kind of gaming we've been up to last time. And on the last episode, I rambled on for about 90 seconds about all of the gaming I wasn't doing. Um, now I've actually got quite a bit of gaming under my belt that I can chat about, so I don't need to uh, nervously ramble on and try to justify my existence on this show. Uh, so although GaryCon was canceled, I did participate in virtual GaryCon. I did not run anything, but I did play in six games. Uh, one of them sucked, and the other five were awesome. So overall, wow. that's not a bad <laughs> mix of games. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we should omit the one that sucked. <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm, know. I'm not. I'm not. I won't be naming any names or anything. Um, but yes, I. Um, and if anybody is listening to this show who is like, "Oh God, did Jeff think my game sucked?" I promise you the person who ran that game that sucked is not a listener of this show. So like, don't worry. It wasn't you. Um, but yes, all of the other games were awesome. Um, also, I got to play in Mr. Burdick's uh, Dying Earth playtest online and had so much fun. You, uh, that was, that was crazy. Uh, Jeff is a, uh, now, now I know Jeff is a player to be feared, which is good, which <laughs> oh, is my highest final, praise. You'd never had him in your game before? Oh, sweet justice. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was my first time uh, as a player in a Julian Burnick run game. It was very exciting. Yeah, the 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 first uh, couple of rounds Spellburn go for broke move is uh, always entertaining. So, well well played. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, so I had a lot so of So that fun with wasn't that. the one that sucked then. No, that was not the one that sucked. And <laughs> come uh, on. <laughs> well, you and, don't listen. Oh, maybe you do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And also, we got to play with Svebor, who I had never met before, and Svebor was cracking me up consistently. Awesome. That dude is funny. That was a terrific group, and Svebor is great. Uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. Also, the folks over at Gaming and BS are now running some online games for their patrons, and I am a patron of their show. So I've signed up to be in uh, Sean's Mothership campaign that he's going to be doing. 
Um, and I did not know when I signed up that the adventure he's running us all through is Dead Planet, which I've already been running people through in my city. Um, I've already run four sessions of it. So I'm going to be running as a player through a module I know inside and out as a judge. But I trust myself well enough to know that I will not use the information that I have um, in any kind of a sneaky, cheaty way. Oh, you know, it's it's going to turn out completely different anyway. Exactly. And the last bit of news I have in gaming, I've had a lot of gaming going on these past few weeks, is that I've also introduced my roommates to Old School Essentials. And oh. we had a, um, a session zero where we chat about, chatted about what kind of stuff we wanted to do and rolled up some characters. And then we had an introduction session where they didn't even leave the starting village. And we had two character deaths. Uh, <laughs> and they completely interacted with NPCs I had to make up because like I was doing very kind of uh, open sandbox, like you can do whatever you want. And they kind of were doing their own thing, which was great. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. And we will be playing session two tomorrow. Awesome. Yeah. So that's been my gaming since we last recorded, which was what, like three weeks ago, two weeks ago, something like that. Yeah. And- it was, Insert like look here. Yeah, <laughs> time is moving at a weird rate right now. Yeah, it's longer than that actually. Less time since we dropped it, but longer than since we recorded. Okay. Yeah, it had to be at least a month ago. Jen. Um. Uh, personal life's kind of been a. a hmm, sorry for the kid listeners out there, but uh, shitstorm's really the best word I can put for it. Um. So I had to cancel my virtual GaryCon games anyway. Ended up able to play in one, and that was uh, Jonathan Snodgrass's Starcrawl Classics. Cool. And that was, it was fun, but a little bit stymieing for me because um, it was voice through Discord and nothing else. And if I'm doing just a voice type of game, I mean as we'll get into later, I'm sure. I I do prefer a visual context because, you know, raising your hand or laughing, even if you're on mute, these things really carry through and they're very important for me, at -hmm. least as a judge, if not a player. Yeah. So it it seemed a little bit um, like we could have gone further with it, but it was was fun overall. I I enjoyed it. Um, And then I hosted Friday and Saturday night social hours. Saturday may have gone six hours or more. And that was well worth the time spent spending time with the, I mean, playing games is great. Getting just hang out and chat as people come in and out of a virtual room, probably more in my wheelhouse this month. Um, other than that, you would think we'd have all sorts of time for gaming, but dudes, it is tax time. Move on. <laughs> Next. Next. Julian. Well, yes, it's been, uh, I've been a busy little bee. Um, one observation, I guess, since this is going to be the virtual game theme show, is that uh, suddenly there was tremendous more amount of gaming than there was before. So that was not exactly expected since I was really kind of coming out of a face to face only world for the most part, and then uh, suddenly landed and hey, we all woke up and realized everybody can run any game they want, and then, ah! So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that more later, but uh, had a great Gary Khan, ran three games, um, one DCC Carcosa, which was 
terrific. And to follow up on some prior episodes, I did uh, I had uh, Forrest Aguirre played the hot dog suit from <laughs> our Gong Farmer thing. Uh, he was terrific. Nice. I had a manimal from MCC. I had an assassin, my old friend Eric Larson of one of my very first gaming buddies from you know thirty eight years ago or something. Uh, uh, let's see what else we had. We had a gray alien from America. We had Jonathan Perkle playing a warrior. He was terrific. And we had James Posnell playing a, a rune casting dwarf. Uh, so we had quite a weird uh, collection. I know I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, who am I forgetting? Sorry, it's not because you sucked or anything like that. It's because I'm just slow. Um, anyway, we had a terrific Carcosa that was crazy. Had an epic, a little tiny bit of PvP that was really funny at the end, and uh, that was great. And had two great Dying Earth play tests. Uh, Jeff's group was super crazy, but my other one had. Um, Clayton and uh, Jen Williams, too, and that was super fun. Or Laura, sorry. Laura Williams, duh. I was going to um, say. Well, there's so many Jens, you know, I, I get confused sometimes. I, we are a collective, yes. yes. Um, yeah, anyway, we, that was a, that was a lot of fun. So I got a lot of needed Dying Earth stuff in there and uh, running some more at Cyclops Con and running a Nowhere City game at Cyclops Con as well as some other stuff I've, you know, published with Goodman. So my fun, like, hey, let's run some sandboxy open stuff turned into, oh, I forgot sandbox stuff is a ton of work because you actually have to kind of know all the paths, not just the ones they're going to have to take. But, uh, it's, but it's been really fun, and uh, I, I'm having a blast just trying to get all that stuff done. Um, and also thinking hard about the con of champions that Tabletop Events is going to run. Uh, oh, yeah. in late May, I think it is, uh, when is it going to be exactly? I got it up here. Jeez. May 23rd to May 25th. So this is to help, uh, tabletop events, which is supporting Cyclops con, uh, for Goodman games. Obviously we're going to talk about, we're going to plug the hell out of Cyclops con shortly. Right. So we'll talk a lot more about that. So sort of putting the cart before the horse, but at any rate, Con of Champions by Tabletop Events is going to have tons of great gaming. It's well worth your look, so check it out. All and right. obviously, I'll link it in the show notes. And Bruce, what have you been up to in the last, like, say, two to four weeks of gaming? Well, like uh, like Julian says, probably more gaming than I would if I was just doing face-to-face, I'm, and I'm not. Uh, whilst I've done quite a lot of online gaming, I'm not necessarily the most enthusiastic person about it. Um, I really miss my face-to-face. I work very hard to get my road crew games. We we meet monthly in a in a local pub, so there are other incentives, not just the gaming. Um, <laughs> the people, obviously, um, not the beer. Um, so we have we've been making that an online game. We've actually had two sessions over the last month rather than just the one um, because I started a one shot that rang long. So we we played again Wednesday night. So that was that was good fun, um, and I. Did five sessions in total for Virtual Garycon. I did um, four DCC and one World War II Operation White Box game, and they all went reasonably well. Um, both a combination of um, Roll Twenty and actual virtual, uh, actual physical tabletop with props and minis and stuff. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's that looked insane for the Madhouse meet. Yep, it's I- a lot of work. I've been I've been running it 
face to face several times this year as my road crew sort of set piece, if you like. Um, but it's it's fun. I'm running it again for uh, for CyclopsCon, so I've made a few tweaks to the way it works, and fingers crossed it will be a little bit smoother. And tell me about Operation White Box. I feel like I. I saw a session or two of that being run at GaryCon when I was originally yeah. searching for things to play, and I hadn't heard of it, and I Googled it, and I was, yeah, how is that? So it's a, it's a World War II uh, game. I tend to run it very sort of comic book or, or old-school war movie, so... You know, I don't like to go too dark with with war, real world okay. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, it, it's old school. It's OSR based, based on Swords and Wizardry White Box, which is in in turn based on OD and D. Um, it's written by Pete Spahn, who's done a lot of uh, old school stuff for Labyrinth Lord and and various other you know, OSR type stuff. And I started. I put my own adventure together. Actually, the first Garycon I attended, um, and play tested it effectively about that first t- time it was good fun and then last year pete actually came out to gary con so it was nice to meet him in person and uh long story short offered to publish the, the adventure that i was play testing so um, that came out uh uk games expo last year uh i'm kind of done with running it you know when you've run something over and over at conventions uh it's quite sandboxy so it's never run quite the same same way twice um but i'm ready to sort of move on and i was hoping to run a new world war ii game based on the old movie kelly's heroes um that was going to be this gary cons game but that didn't get that didn't get finished i kind of lost the will with that when the the, the, the uh, convention got cancelled so uh that hopefully will come back next year yeah. And is that about Kelly Kapowski from Saved by the Bell? Because if so, I'm totally in. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> uh, no, Kelly's Heroes, classic uh, wolf war comedy. Clint Eastwood, Telly Savalas, uh, Donald Sutherland. Absolutely amazing film. And uh, I, I think will work quite well as a, a little bit as a, a tongue-in-cheek sort of sequel to that, that movie. But we'll see. If, if I have the time before next Gary Con, it'll, it'll be a thing. All right. Well, Bruce, it's awesome having you on the show. And now we're going to head on over to summon email. I call upon the flame to summon you. Who delivered the message for me? I came here to give you these facts. Summon email. So we've got a nice full bag right now. Uh, Jen, why don't you reach on in there and pull one out for us? All right. Looks like this first one is from Oliver. Hello, mighty judges. I'm a very experienced GM slash DM slash judge slash whatever, and I've played in a DCC campaign for a year as well as run some one shots, but I'm only now a few sessions into running my first DCC campaign, and I'm starting to get nervous about death. For some context, I ended my last OSR campaign in part because it had run long enough that the players were deeply in love with their characters, each other's as well as their own. That's funny. And even I would have been heartbroken if one of them had died. That limit soon made things a bit dull for yours truly, so I gracefully wrapped things up over a few sessions while plotting my next campaign with a very death-happy system in mind, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Wanting to get my players really comfortable with character death, I actually ran two parallel funnels that fed their survivors into a third funnel, like some (laughs) brain dungeon crawl uterus, birthing their level one characters out into my sandboxy campaign proper. Cool. We're now four sessions in, and a couple of level ones have bit the dust while the remainder are getting close to hitting level two. When a TPK looked possible, my players groaned at the thought of having to start over. Thankfully, it didn't, but this finally brings me to my question— how do each of you balance the need to keep death a real threat to your players while also respecting how invested their 
in their characters they are by the time they hit levels two, three, or higher. This feels especially challenging when you have things like Purple Planet Disintegration Rays, for save to avoid instant death, present in a lot of the official modules. I don't want to neuter my campaign, but I also don't want to leave my players feeling frustrated or that their characters are interchangeable murder hobos not worth getting invested in. Thanks. Oh, Oliver. Okay, who wants to weigh in first? I can go ahead with this one. Um, I guess my first thing I would say is if you did TPK your um, your those characters, then you can have them wake up in the land of death and have them try to escape from the land of death. I mean, that doesn't have to be the end of their characters. And if they do escape from the land of death, then perhaps they can now take a new character class from the Gong Farmer's Almanac and they can play a skeleton warrior or a vampire or a ghost <laughs> or something like that now that they've returned to the land of the living in their deathly form. Um, so I guess what I'm really saying is like, although character death um, can happen, it doesn't have to be the end. Personally, I think it's fun to have characters come and go. Um, but if that's not your style, I think there are ways around that. Julian? I would say the, I mean, there's probably some ways to get around it, like just don't let characters die. Just uh, have them auto-flip when they die unless their bodies are totally lost. And when they auto-flip, you know, they lose, you know, their physical stat. And, you know, uh, just kind of treat them as that they are always auto-recovered. It might it kind of dull, but uh, in a way they pay a penalty. You could make the penalty a little more severe if you liked. Um, that'd be one option. I like Jeff's, uh, you know, wake up in hell option. And that could be quite a campaign shift. That could be a lot of fun, too. And then, um, you know, also you might. I don't. I mean, I love DCC. Um, I have found that characters are not that squishy once they start to get up to second, third level, especially if you have a cleric of that same level uh, who's he actually believes in rescuing people. It's you know, you get to them in a couple <laughs> rounds and you heal them, and they're you know. But if you're, for some reason, a weird anti-cleric freak, um, you could also make some other rules like burn a luck to get a dyad healing or something like that. You know, there's other options. <laughs> All right. And Bruce, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I think I'm with Julian. I don't find it to be quite the lethal system that everybody expects outside of the funnel. Um so the, there is that, and uh, I would probably agree. I, I, I'm not sure about waking up in the land of death. It's perhaps a little cliched for my taste, but certainly if a, a um, if a character or two dies, that's perhaps more likely than a TPK. Um, but quest for bringing them back, or you know, yeah, you know, yeah, that's, that's a, a, what uh, Blades of Death is all about. There you go. Yeah. 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 So so you've got that, and um, certainly while they're at low levels give them another four zeros. You know, a, a, a TPK is going to be unlikely. I, I'll, I mean, I'll just add in city of the damned, we actually gave everybody a backup character for that reason. So that they had one kind of their grooming and sharing XP with that is coming along. So if they do lose their first guy, they got a second guy in practice, the guys with the backups never die. And the guys with no backups always die. And then always, uh, anyway, and Jen, um, is there anything you'd like to add? Um, actually, the first time I was running things, I didn't succeed in my funneling, and a lot of players ended up with two level one PCs. So they could either bring both of those into play or keep one, you know, on the boat slash in the backpack, if you will. 
Uh, and then if the one they're playing with ends up dying on this adventure, the next adventure, we would switch off to the alternate characters. Everybody's alternate characters would be in there. And I, I specifically had them do the scene shifts pretty much like every two to three sessions. That way they weren't getting attached to one character every time. I like it. All right. So, Julian, let's reach in there and grab another one. All right, here we go. Let's see. Uh, oh, really? Oh, the handwriting on this one seems almost illegible. Oh, gosh. Mm, it smells <laughs> good. This one is really, mm, yes. Uh, dear Spellburn Forum, I can't believe I'm writing this letter. There were these two hot players that I had only fantasized about getting in a DCC game for years, but last weekend I ended up with both. Uh, wait, sorry, wrong letter. Okay. This came up in a recent playtest game. The thief, very well played thief by local Judge Jeff, leapt out of hiding to do a successful backstab on a bad guy. He was also fighting with two weapons, which wasn't a terrible penalty because of his high agility. Does he get the backstab bonus and auto crit on both attacks or just the first of the two? Keep up the great show. It is my favorite podcast mm. ever, but try to do some better stuff like Job, Jim, and Jeffrey. Love, <laughs> Judge Julian. <laughs> oh, terrific. Terrific letter, Julian. Thank you for uh, writing in. Really appreciate that. I'm going to actually pass the mic uh, on this guy. What do you guys think? Jen, what are your thoughts? Uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's almost in the realm of the dispute about Mighty Deeds. Like, if you get to burn luck on any roll, why not that Mighty Deed roll? Well, because that's just a die that goes with your roll, but, you know, rules as intended versus rules as played are two different things. Um, I would say, you know, did Jeff make a big stink about it? Is the big baddie going to definitely go down if he gets, you know, both crit attacks? Or are you maybe going to just on the fly bump up some hit die to make sure the thing remains a threat? Which is kind of iffy, but I mean, this is Julian we're talking about. So <laughs> there's a lot of ways you could go with it. Uh, Bruce, you're, you're over there smiling. What's your take? Oh. Uh- See, I think people grant backstabs in games I've played, and granted I've not played in that many, I feel that people tend to push for backstabs and grant backstabs too easily. You know, there's not enough of this. Have you hidden in shadows previously? Has the bad guy seen you step behind him? So, so, so that, I think, I given think the circumstances, you know, uh, oh, it's, it's what well, a thief does, right? You like, know? AD&D is super specific about that. Did you mm. hide in shadows first? Did you mm. take all of these precautions before backstabbing? And DCC's pretty... Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we don't have it? that yeah. Judge Julian with us today to ask him exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. But quoting the letter, it does say that the thief leapt out of hiding to do a successful backstab. Okay. So I would say if you leap out of hiding to do a successful backstab, yeah. then as a player... I'm going to want to get that auto crit double damage bonus on both of the weapons that I'm surprising this dude with or, or lady with or it thing with. Um, so I'd say give it to him. 
because that's kind of the more fun answer. And he's he's playing a thief and the thief did the thiefy thing. Yeah, that's true. And the thieves also get kind of the short end of the stick, especially if you get towards level five. Everyone else is getting two attacks and the thief gets one. But not if he's still wielding. What? But not if he's still wielding. Yeah, that's fair. Exactly. And he has a high, he presumably has a high agility, so. And Julian, do you have anything you would like to add to this? I, you know, the funny thing about it is so long ago now that I don't remember if I did give him the two attacks, but I agree with everything you said, Jeff. That's, that's the way I would answer this letter. And thank you again, (laughs) Judge Julian, for an extremely well thought out, (laughs) reasoned and terrifically written uh, missive. All right. Well, the bag is still quite full, but we've had, we had this really beautifully written, uh, kind of perfectly uh, wrapped up little um, little message here that I'm going to go ahead and gingerly open. Uh, it says, hello, illustrious burners of the most highly burnt of burnable spells. I was wondering what are your top 24 favorite things about my favorite co-host, Judge Jeff? Here's a list of mine. He's super dreamy. He's oh so sophisticated. When he says, are you happy with that role? He smiles at you menacingly. I love the way he pronounces geese. I love no. when he goes on rants about clerics. No. Um, I love the way I have to turn down my headphones every time he laughs because it's so adorably loud. And I love when I can hear a cat purring during the show and I somehow just know it must be one of his two cats. Well, I you get the gist. On the last. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on and on about how wonderful he is. I look forward to hearing your thoughts and replies on the show. Thanks from his biggest fan, Judge Jeff. So I don't, I don't mind who wants to go ahead and take this, but uh, go ahead. I, and I won't even time it. You guys can just talk as long as you'd like. <laughs> okay, that's the best part yet. Uh, no, I call shenanigans on the cats because there's a minimum of seven between the three of us that could have been the culprit. And that's just currently. That's true. Um, I, I, you know, I appreciate you, Jeff. Um, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to write in for it. Um, but, if, but if I was going to just pick one, uh, it's definitely not how you mispronounce things. It would, I'd have to go, I'd have to go with your anti-cleric fervor. I actually, you know, getting a chance to game with you, um, you were a great player. That's got to be my favorite thing. But, um, uh, and you really had the dying earth spirit actually in that game, which was really fun. So, uh, uh, you well, could, thank you. You could chalk that up to your terrific knowledge of Appendix N. <sighs> well, now thank you. you. you <laughs> I can see your head slowly expanding, so I'm going to stop now. Well, it, for me, it's just once I saw that we could write into our own show, I was like, hey, I mean, this is a great opportunity. I'll go ahead and write in as well. I noticed, <laughs> noticed that that's exactly one day after my email was dated. <laughs> yes. It's true. Well, with dignity, that, gentlemen, it's called dignity. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we we can't possibly get any better than that last email, so we should go ahead and end that and end that segment for now, uh, for this week, <laughs> and we can head on over to Mighty Deeds. Why behold our hero? Mighty Deeds. All right, so here we are in Mighty Deeds, and today we are talking about online gaming in the era of social distancing. So, I mean, there's a lot of directions we could take this conversation. I guess maybe a good place to start is let's chat about what our experience was with online gaming prior to all of this social distancing stuff, prior to Virtual GaryCon. 
Did you guys have much experience with online gaming prior to this? Did you enjoy it? What did you enjoy? What didn't you? Et cetera. Uh, Julian, what do you have to say? Um, you know, I, I think I've done some and I had, you know, kind of, you know, some good experiences, some bad experiences. A lot of it was kind of tail, you know, ended up being per the GM. Uh, I do miss, you know, I, I did at that time miss, you know, having the pizza and the beer and, the some of that kind of stuff. And I found that it was a little harder to focus um, you know, also we didn't really have a great network a couple times, you know, I was fortunate to have like Brendan reach out to do some play testing. So I was in a, I got to be in a play test with Brendan and Val and Doug and a few other folks like that. It was really fun. Um, or John Hook at one point put out the word and I ended up being in a John Hook game. But oh, yeah. that was, you know, so that so those, you know, I got a chance to be in some fun playtests a couple times too. But um but having said that, uh, you know, it was kind of there was ups and downs and uh because it wasn't a thing, I think I, you know, it was kind of spotty. You know, they were good and they were bad and uh I was also kind of a stepchild thing, not to mess with stepchildren per se, because I have been one, but, um, you know, where I was like, well, we're just going to kind of do this thing because we can't do the real thing. Uh, yeah. How about you, Jen? What was your experience like prior to all this? Well, Julian just reminded me about John Hook's game, and that one was probably one of my favorites because I was shown just how easy it was to preload your stuff into Google Drive. And the minute that you have an image you want people to see, just paste the link in there. You don't have mm. to do the screen share. You don't have to do a, a whole lot of this. And, I mean, on the downside, it means you're forcing your players to now look at something else that isn't the screen where everything is contained. And getting people to stay focused is difficult enough as it is without a video uh, platform. Um, yeah, I, I will say, I think Brendan is the only one who is really still commanding the performance for me because his setup is so that he's standing for all the games you play with him. He is still standing at his proverbial table mm. and that keeps his energy level up and mm. it keeps him from getting distracted and maybe looking in different windows while he's trying to talk. And, uh, I think. The attention, the focus, is probably the most important part during something like this. And in an age of your phone going off and your emails going off and, oh, I'm going to take my turns in a game on my phone, so you're multitasking and all that, I, I think the, the times when you're actually in a game that you signed up to play for or play in and you fought for that spot to get it, you're going to actually have... A, a better game. You know, the players are all going to be there because they seriously want to be. I like it. Uh, Bruce, what do you think? Yeah, I have, I have to admit, I, I, I agree with, with Jen very much. It's important to have a focus. Um, I mean, I, I just looked back before jumping on today and I my first online game was about 2005, a long time ago. Um, and I've always struggled with the, the lack of eye contact. That's the biggest thing that's that's missing from me. Um, e even 
webcam, you only get a sort of hint of it really diluted. Um, but I think having something to focus on, be it eye contact or a, or a webcam um, or a map or a document or maybe even you know something that you that, that shares the experience to, to focus on and to, to keep that distraction away. I've sat at a table, believe it or not, with uh, I think one that Lee ran at UK Games Expo a couple of years, and there was a guy sitting next to me who was playing that game on his phone at a convention. So uh, uh, there are a lot of parallels. We, these these distractions and what have you do do exist in the real world as well, but everything is magnified by playing online. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's it was interesting when I logged into one of the GaryCon games. I would logged into um, uh, Roll Twenty, and when I logged in, it showed me like my the last game that I had played on Roll Twenty, and the last game I played was in two thousand thirteen. So it had been seven oh, wow. years since I yeah. had logged into the platform because I've, I've wow. never really been a much of an online gamer. You know, once I got into the DCC Google Plus community, um, I started playing some online games with people through Hangouts and like it's fun, but it's never the same. And I think what you're saying, Jen, about the energy is uh, I think there's really something there. And I think part of it is like, you know, what Bruce is saying about the eye contact but also when you're at a convention or where you're in, when you're in a game store and you're in an environment where you feel safe to really just like let loose, you know, you're standing, you're like, you're really energetic, you're doing your thing. Um, it feels right in that situation where if you're just like right, right now, for example, I'm sitting in the corner of my bedroom with my headphones on. Uh, my boyfriend is across the room laying in a bed right now and I've got people downstairs. If I'm just going to be like hollering during my game or whatever and like making a fool of myself, I'm probably, um, I mean, whatever. I, I, I'm i not super self-conscious. Likely, yeah, you're more likely to tamp that down though. I am, I am, exactly. I'm more likely to kind of keep the energy to kind of a more like inside voice um, uh, mode than if I were at a convention where like I can really just like let loose and like really amp up the energy. Yeah, I, I miss being able to walk around the table and loom over each player yes. as they try to make their decision of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Tell me where we're going. And I love being able to to flick those fleeting luck tokens out. And I mean, the, the tangible aspect of them. Yep. I I do miss it, but I also feel like because we can't get together for things like that right now, I kind of feel beholden that... I still need to run something. So now I guess we're left with uh, what's the best method for this? How how do we best get this across? Yeah, and I think that's a, a great segue because I, I, I also feel like, although I've never been a huge fan of online gaming, when GaryCon was canceled, I was super bummed. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I got it. I didn't want to go to GaryCon. I didn't want to be within six feet of anybody, so I fully understood it was just like I was bummed that like this thing that I love, I wouldn't be able to participate in. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of dragged my feet when it came to virtual GaryCon. I didn't sign up to run games and I didn't even register to play in any, I think, until like a week prior. But when I did, I signed up for six games and I had so much fun. And one thing that virtual GaryCon did for me is it It kind of reignited or not reignited, ignited for the first time this idea that like maybe I actually can have some like legitimate fun playing in online games. Um, and, you know, we... And therefore get some social time in while you're yeah, kicked up. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, I don't know, did, did you guys find um, that your perception and experience with online gaming has changed in this kind of new world that we're in? 
I'm definitely feeling better about it now. I'm I'm still craving and missing the face-to-face stuff. Um, yeah. By the end of GaryCon, you know, my my last game at GaryCon, I had fun in every game I ran, but my last virtual GaryCon game on the Sunday night, um, I decided to ditch the minis and just just run Madhouse Meet straight on Roll Twenty, and uh, even without webcams, somehow there was there was something there, wow. just spark. There was a great bunch of bunch of players not that i didn't have good players in the other games but you know something just clicked for me um and it was uh and it was it was absolutely terrific but that is one game out of seven or eight i've i've run in recent weeks um and the the average is is low there's a lot of effort for me to to put the game on and the satisfaction is definitely less right now but i'm definitely feeling a lot more positive about it Um, and i'm a lot more inclined also to try and get spontaneous online games together i didn't manage to do that today but i did throw a tweet out and i did talk to a couple of people and um, you know it, it's relatively easy to get a spontaneous game I mean let's face it the hardest thing in this hobby is actually getting hurting the squirrels getting people around the table right <laughs> should be a lot easier online oh yeah uh, one one would think I just like everyone says oh well uh, I've been furloughed so I'm available during the day but everybody that I see running games is doing it in the evening so they all stack on top of each other mm-hmm. this doesn't work guys yeah now, Bruce, well. what are you using to run your games when you're doing the the pop-ups okay so i've done uh i've used two or three different things um i was actually going to go with roll 20 today because uh actually similar to jeff i haven't used roll 20 regularly for a few years now um, and i've been lazy with setting my games up i've been pulling all the maps and the tokens that i've used in previous games so they've been pendlebrook's perilous pantry which is a beautiful awesome awesome funnel but i haven't run it online for years but i had all the maps and tokens ready to go uh, portals permanently sort of set up there and uh, tara out of time so so some of the classics that i've run Ooh. from previous campaigns um and i'm using doing that on roll 20 but that's purely because i've got the resources to hand um i've also tried hangouts um i haven't actually run a game using zoom yet but i think zoom might be the the halfway house the hangouts games have been harder work for me um the game around wednesday love the people i played with but only two out of five players had webcams and we weren't using any kind of whiteboard or anything for that for that focus i talked about earlier um so i think moving Ooh. to zoom where i can maybe drag in maps and stuff might be the the the, the, the halfway house for those because I, I for some of those players who are less technical um i want them to roll dice in their hand in in, in the hand or, or on the desk i want them to have a paper character sheet if that that works well um, but exactly. even, even looking at a platform like Roll20, there are different ways that you can do it. You don't have to go into all the maps and tokens. You don't have to use the dynamic lighting and the, and the fog of war. You don't have to use the inbuilt character sheet. You can still use the dice roller and the, the, the text chat um, and still have, give people PDF character sheets or paper character sheets. So there's hmm. you know, such a variety. Well, starting with kind of the, the the programs that are more designed specifically for online gaming, such as Roll20 and is it Fantasy Grounds? That's what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you guys feel like one or the other, what are the pros and cons of Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds in your opinions? Up, up front, Roll20's not get any entry, barrier entry. Um, the free account will give you almost, a, well, will give you everything you need. I've never felt the need to subscribe. Fantasy Grounds, the GM has to have a paid account for people to play for free. Do you uh, know roughly how much that costs? With the DCC license included, not mm. all of the packages there, I think it's around one 
20 for a month for a year for a lifetime for a lifetime i think Uh, i remember somebody yeah i remember somebody saying that uh his entire group was all pitching in so it would be like Mm. 25 a person or something okay for the whole package i don't think it's a a ridiculous amount of money and Mm. obviously the 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 nice thing about fancy grounds is you can right now buy goodman game stuff you know, DCC, right. legit. You would, you. There's an element of, of effort depending on how you want to use Roll Twenty, but there's some effort required to import maps and tokens and what have you. I so I actually don't know what you guys are referring to. Does this mean that like the the maps for specific modules you can yeah. purchase them pre-built? Well, you buy yeah, they've, the they've... DCC license. You've also got the adventures in the book there, and oh. you can buy additional modules pre-built as well. Oh, interesting. And, and they're progressively uploading more of the the back catalog. You know, starting with, I guess, Sailors, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, Portal Under the Stars, etc. I think they just put in um, Jewels, Jewels of, the, of the Carnifex. Hmm. I, I saw a screenshot of someone playing that. That looked pretty amazing. But I played in a game in Fantasy Grounds that lasted maybe two or three sessions back in uh, 2010 or something, maybe earlier. And... You still need a different platform for audio. Whether or not you get visual with it is up to you, you know, whichever platform you decide on. But it seemed kind of cumbersome to me. Okay. Okay. So unless you have a really firm grasp of what you're doing in Fantasy Grounds, you might not want to use that for a con game. Hmm. I would say Fantasy Grounds has probably got a steeper learning curve, and I'm speaking as a, a geek who likes to tinker with these things. Okay, um, I'm not. I, I, I have I have more experience with Roll Twenty, so I've, I'm obviously got a bias there, you know. Um, but there's there's a cost, and to me, it's slightly less intuitive. But weighed off by the fact there's already official Goodman Games DCC modules and the rulebook. Now I understand that's coming to Roll Twenty soon as well. I know uh, a couple of people who are working on bits and pieces there, and of course we've got things like graphics and what have you that hopefully will come and help people run games online in the, the not too distant. And I know Michael Curtis put together a script for a specific deck of cards that can be used to essentially play as fleeting luck for the judge. Hmm. Um, I. Th- Think you don't you have to have a paid account to run a game and use the DCC character sheets, Bruce? No, you not for all twenty. No? You can use DCC character sheets and run. Okay, run I game. I didn't there know if you had certain, to have a paid account to be a, a a GM over there. I think to get to um, some of the custom content, you need a paid account, but you can. Gotcha. You don't need a, a paid account to be a GM. You could just jump in for free. There's a, a couple of free DCC character sheets and. Upload a couple of maps and you're good to go. And it's all online for Roll20. Yeah. And, you just need and, a and login. Node, Node, which is also a bonus. Yeah. Um, it's system agnostic as well. I mean, as in, not it's not Mac or PC specific, I think. Right. And Fantasy Grounds requires a download. It does, yes. And I might be oversimplifying this uh, line in the sand, but in the way that I see it, is if you're if you're the kind of judge who really wants to have a map that you've got tokens interacting with and you want to have the fog of war and those kinds of things, then rule 20 and fantasy grounds is your way. But if you're more of a theater of the mind person and really you, you don't, you don't care about that as much then discord hangouts, zoom, those are potentially a, a better alternative for you because sure. it's a, it, it has less of a learning curve. You can dive right in. You don't need to pre-build things into it. Uh, so looking at discord hangouts and zoom 
Do you guys have preferences between those three? I know Bruce said that he's not done Zoom yet. Um, you know, the I will say that um, just to pick up on what we don't like and kind of segue out of Roll20, I remember <laughs> playing some Roll20 games earlier and uh, not not jamming. And, it, and I, in fact, I was intimidated because even playing in them, I could just see how much stuff there was that I didn't want to futz around with. But mm-hmm. when I played, especially that John Hook game, which was maybe the first virtual game, and this is a playtest for Shadow over or under Devil's Reef or whichever, so this is four years ago or something. But um, when I was when he ran that, we just used Hangouts, and I don't remember that we had any visual stuff, but I, m- I might be wrong. But um, it's certainly not you know pretty limited. I, I could suddenly see how actually easy it was and that you didn't need all that stuff. If it, you know, it's there and if you want it, it's there. So it's a, you can have that in your toolbox, but it's also, you know, I, I don't have to be any fancier than when I pull out the, my grid at the table at the convention and I just draw it out with a marker as we need to, and that's yep. it, you know, and, and you can do that in a way. I, so I've been using zoom. Um, there's a, you can get a pro account for 15 bucks a month, which um, I found pretty easy and stable to use. You do have to, ha- I think one person in the group has to have the pro account to, to host stuff that lasts more than 40 minutes. So right. that's the need, you know, is for one guy to, to have one guy, gal, et cetera, to have, have uh, an account. But other than that, um, it's fairly easy for, uh, you know, it's a fairly easy option. It's been pretty stable. And, you know, Hangouts is almost pretty much just as good. So I, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if I made the right choice because Hangouts is free and you can whiteboard on board jam that they do. It's, it's not totally integrated, but you can easily give everybody a link and, and do that. It's a little bit laggier. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't experienced any Hangouts since all this stuff went down. But one thing I have been hearing a lot is people saying that Hangouts has not dealt with the bandwidth, uh, the, the, the usage increase as well as something mm-hmm. like Zoom has. We, right. we, we also gamed on, uh, I, I was in a Clint Boheide game. He ran Morkborg, the new Scandinavian death metal <laughs> RPG or whatever it is. Uh, he's run a couple sessions of that. And um, that, we used Discord. That was my first Discord experience. And the the stability was lacking. I mean, may have been Wi-Fi issues of somewhat in my end, you know, uh, during that evening, but um, it was... Now, was was that just voice? No, it was video, and then at the oh, end of that like, three-hour game, we ended up switching to to only audio, and it was more stable. And uh, and in fact, when John Hook ran his game, he switched us all to audio. He actually did the whole thing on audio, as I recall, for that same reason, or, or he shut his own video off. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, I like and to that be approach. fair... You can do audio and video through Roll20 if you want as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andy Markham was walking me through the the GM side of things, and he said he usually uses Hangouts because Roll20 can't support everything yeah. without a whole bunch of lag yeah. or interference. Yeah, always worth with Roll20 looking at a second option for your, your audio at least. Right. Yeah, I played in a Roll20 game, as I mentioned before, in GaryCon, and we kept having big technical difficulties with the audio and the video through that. 
Um, and one thing I'll say about the the one game in Virtual Garicon I played that I personally did not enjoy um, really ties into something that Jen was saying earlier, is and, and that that game was voice only. Uh, so, uh, and that's fine. I had some other games that were voice only too. I played in an Empire of the Petal Throne game, Throne game that was voice only, mm. and I had a blast. That was so much fun. But the game that I played in that didn't go well, it was a voice only game where the uh, GM was very much running it as though it were a tabletop miniatures game. So it was theater of the mind, but it was also like not Mm. theater of the mind because it was highly, highly tactical. And also at one point um, uh, there was a combat that took two hours and I got to act four times during those two hours so I only got to do something on average about once every half an hour. Uh, and so, so these are fears that I have about <laughs> my own games at this point. Like I've not run a game in any online medium for over a year and I am sweating bullets about Cyclops Con. That's why I say fast and loose. Cause that's one thing I love <laughs> about having done, have, having played in six of these games through virtual, uh, through virtual Gary Khan, And then also having sat through a couple others. You've learned, right? I've learned that yeah. the ones that I personally think are the most suited to my style of GMing is the kind that's exactly like what the four of us <laughs> yeah, are experiencing yeah. right now. You know, the four of us can see each other. We can hear each other. We don't have maps. We can just roll dice on our own. If I need to show you something, I can hold it up to the camera exactly. and you can see the thing. <laughs> you know, and, and that to me is is fine for the kind of games I like to run. I think it's important to choose the platform that suits your GMing style. Um, yeah. Right. That said, what happens if Cyclops Con, you go to do this and one of your five players has a webcam and you have no contact and there's long silences? You know that... Yep that thing where you just glance at somebody and make sure they're paying attention because they're next in initiative and, you know. Uh, it means you're going to be talking a lot more, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yep. And we're going, okay, guys, come on. This is your time that you paid for. Come on. It's, yeah. is it, it, but is it more awkward than... I've had people, thank God, not very often, more I've, you know, thankfully seen while I'm playing in games, but I've had people like that in con games in person too yeah might as well not have been on <laughs> it's easier to resolve in person it's quicker isn't it there's that glance there's yeah. that i can say you know their the dirty next look. look you can you can make <laughs> eye contact with them before they yeah the dirty look Bef- before yeah. their, their turn you know you throw it, something at them yeah i mean hmm. the, the classic is bob's sunday night game at <laughs> we're all dying, but we're all determined. Sunday night at GaryCon, midnight, we're going to get one more game in. And people are distracted and tired. And I think the last game, there were 20 odd people at the table. And, and we then were we trying to nudge to... each other and keep yeah. going. Um, and you can't and quite do that online. And he's totally working the room. He's up on his feet. He's using a ton of body language and using everything he's got to keep people engaged and unfortunately i'm going to be exhausted as hell after a single game because i'm going to be trying to do the same thing i'm going to be trying to put myself out there and be the the disciple of brendan and bob you know (laughs) i i so i'm i'm hoping people have patience with those of us who haven't done a whole lot of online gaming in the past, but I'm also 
kind of excited and nervous and looking forward to it. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. You're going to be great. I, I'm really. I, I put together. I put together a, a an FAQ for my players that they attach to all of my games, and it was okay. This is going to be different than the normal gaming that we get, but don't be nervous. That's my job. So here's the FAQ of what software, what equipment you'll need, and all of this other stuff. And I've actually gotten emails back on it because people are reading it, and that's awesome. Uh, if you signed up for my game and you haven't read it, go click on the event and click through to the little link. It's just a one-page doc on Google Drive. And you know, it, I'm also running three little Lankmar 101 sessions like I had tried to plan for Gary Con, dang it. Um, in the virtual Gary Con, anyway. Uh, and I plan on those lasting less than an hour, but you know, I, I know there's a lot of people that even after listening to the previous episodes of Spellburn still have questions about DCC Lankmar. So, hey, we'll do a fillable PDF together. We'll explain these differences and blah, blah, blah. Um, but there was initially some concern over which platform to use for it. I said, no, I'm going to stick with Zoom because it's the one thing I know at this point. Oh, well, are you going to do it as a seminar so that an unlimited number of people can sign up and submit text questions that just go to you? Or, because the seminar thing is an add-on price to the package too, uh, for the person who owns the Zoom account anyway. I said, no, I'm, I'm just going to have it. X number of people can come in. They can watch what I'm doing, and I can see if they raise their hand, if they have a question or something. I want it to be as close to the in-person experience that you would get. But hopefully, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. That that will be something completely new and different for me. The one solution for a seminar might be to for you to do the seminar via Zoom and that go out on Twitch, and somebody could moderate and manage the Twitch chat. And the questions now, could come to you that way. Um, we contemplated that as well, but I'm running three different sessions of it. Mm. So rather than stream any of it live, we might just have Jen wear the same shirt for all three sessions and then slice them together to make a cohesive video. You, you get three goes at it. <laughs> nice. Exactly. I, I on editors as far as that. You know, I, I'm hoping none of mine stream live, but uh, who the heck knows? It'll be a surprise. You're a podcast. <laughs> what could be more nerve-wracking than this? Uh, having players who have paid for their spots to play with this. No. I hear you. No. I hear you. <laughs> no and having the video go out with it as well. Thanks, Jeff. I've got, I've got, I've got something more nerve-wracking than that, but I'll talk about it in our next episode. But, oh, well, why wait? No, because no, I gotta wait. But <laughs> I, but I will say, has anybody heard the old story? I can't even remember where I heard it, and thus how authentic it is. However, it's a great story about how Gygax used to run games on his porch behind a full body linked screen, completely <laughs> hidden, talking to the players who would sit on on his porch around the table like a disembodied voice. <laughs> and and so I've often been thinking, I mean, I don't do this, uh, but I've often been thinking about that um, anecdote, because it may be 100% anecdotal, 
as I contemplate, you know, should video be on? Is it cooler if it's on? If it's cooler, is it off? Now, Gygax, presumably being Gygax in the Jim Ward school, was probably making a player do the map, you know, each step of the way, right? (laughs) So the map was already in their hands, and they were doing the map. So they had, you know, they were sketching stuff and doing it as they went. Um, And maybe he would occasionally look to resolve a question or something. But um, I just... You know, so in a way, that is in the spirit of the game very much, right? Well, also, I'll wow. ask, chatting with Brett from Gaming and BS, and he has a green screen, and you know how you mm-hmm. can do the, the Zoom virtual background? It works better if you have a green screen. And mm-hmm. for his Streets of Avalon games, he's got a full a map that uh, 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 of his city that he puts on the green screen so he can like point to the areas where they are right now and things like that. It's you better like believe man. I have the map of Lankmar ready for it. <laughs> My green screen is currently flattening out against the shower curtain rod. That's great. <laughs> now, when it comes to my tabletop games, I prefer to roll my dice in the open, and I prefer that my players roll their dice in the open. I like to see what everybody's rolling, and I like to see what I'm rolling. Uh, but when it comes to playing online, I prefer just rolling real dice in my hand and telling the players what it says and having them do the same thing and just telling me. And I, I trust you guys. I don't think anybody's going to lie. And if they do lie, I mean, that's they're, I guess they're having their kind of fun. I don't know. But like, whatever. Um, yeah. I don't feel the need to use a dice roller. But how did the three of you feel about that? 100% do not use. <laughs> Period. Done. I mean, yeah. if people want to re- use an online roller, I, I've sent a link to Purple Sorcerer. They're the funky dice. Bang. You're ready. But that's that's it. Wait, Roll20's got one built in. Um, and I did find at least one game I ran for the Garricon weekend that there was this pregnant pause when you would roll. And whilst mm-hmm. the first couple of times it's building up the tension and we left it off, it when it started to get slow, I don't know if it was traffic on the site, it was impractical. For my minis game, I actually had a dice cam. Um, so I could roll out in the open. That was just a bit of fun, really. You know, that was a little yeah. bit OTT. Um, but I'm absolutely cool with people. I, I, I'll trust people. I mean, I will roll out in the open. I will expect other people to do the same. But I've never looked at another player's dice, I don't think, apart from when they're trying to figure out, you know, needing some help with what they're doing, D-Die or whatever. Yeah. Right. Uh, Discord has a roller built in as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's not bad as long as you know exactly which modifiers you need to add into your role uh, because it doesn't have a built-in character sheet to pull from like roll 20 would but now especially for things like this where we're all jonesing to get together in game anyway the whole idea is i want to be able to roll my dice yeah. if i'm playing and i know that a lot of other people feel the same so yeah roll it on the table if you lie about your rolls Really, the, the fun is in the consequences, no matter what, whether it's a good role or a bad role. So the fun is in the story, and it doesn't, yeah, yeah you, you don't need to make that kind of effort to, <laughs> plus if we've all got video, I can kind of see it on your face <laughs> if you're trying to calculate. If there's this, as you said, pregnant pause, Bruce, as they're looking at their die, and they're looking at their sheet, and then they're like, oh, nat 20. No, no I call crap, you know? Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was actually funny. Somebody, one of the games we were in, Trevor kept moving the 
thing and showing the dice. He would roll the dice and he's like, oh, and then moving the whole computer to show the die roll. Which, <laughs> that was kind of fun. Uh, fun that's thing. adorable. That, that's a very Trevor thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I, I like, like that. that. Um, so what? Damn, I miss you guys. <laughs> I, I do feel like this episode might be the one episode of Spellburn that's going to age the worst and get real dated real quick. Because I feel like as a community, we are all learning about how this stuff works so rapidly. So maybe a year from now, like this is going to sound like a, we're going to l- go back and listen to this episode and kind of laugh at how naive we sounded. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but right now, um, I guess I also just wanted to, before we go into full on Cyclops Con chat, is just uh, chat about Twitch. Now, have the three of you streamed any of your games on Twitch? Have you watched anybody stream their games on Twitch? Um I'd love to know your guys' current level of experience with Twitch. Um, I, I have a seminar later tonight that's going to teach me how to integrate OBS so that things can be streamed, and I'm absolutely terrified. Next. Perfect. So you've not done it yet, but you're like I less said than next, 12 Jeff. hours away. <laughs> okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> Julian. Um, I'm not very interested in Twitch. I mean... If I'm going, I, I guess if there was really a unique, if if Brendan is running a game for Harley and Michael and, you know, the ghost of Gary Gygax and Jim Ward and something, I mean, I could, you could talk me into it if you really got fancy, but I'm not interested in watching gamers play games because if I consider, if I have the time to sit around and watch people play games, I'm going to run a game or playing a game, right? I mean, I, I just, I don't totally get it. If people really want to watch me Playing a game or running a game? I mean, oh, okay. Yeah. Bruce. I, yeah, I'll so, add on to that in a minute. <laughs> well, I'm with Julian. I don't like I don't like watching other people. I'd rather rather be gaming. Um, but I have got quite a bit of experience with Twitch. I used to paint miniatures on Twitch, which is a, a thing, believe it or not. Oh, that's uh, right. Of course, yeah. yeah that's a big thing. Uh, I have, that's um, zen. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I have, I've run a few games on Twitch, and I, I, I streamed most of my GaryCon games, and I'll be doing the same at... Um, yeah, I will say... I will say, though, to be fair, it would be a great teaching tool. So if you were going to run a game of sailors to show people what, you know, here's DCC, here's an intro game, here's an intro adventure, and here's an intro game with newbies, and you can teach people what it's about, and I wanted to learn that game, that would be a great vehicle. So that would be a good reason to watch a game on Twitch, and I might do it for, obviously, not for DCC, but for a game that I wanted to learn. Plus, And and two weeks ago, uh, or I guess... Yeah, equivalent by the time this airs. Uh, I hopped in as a, a viewer, as a spectator, as a lurker, if you will, uh, to one of the pop-up games that Andy Markham runs. And I just, I didn't have to go into the Roll20 part. I could just do the Hangouts, keep my audio and video off. That way I'm not interfering with anything. But I got to tell you guys, something about just hearing the sounds of your friends especially when I know a lot of us are in a darker place than others right now, especially with this lockdown affecting a lot of people in a multitude of ways. Hearing the sounds of your friends, having fun, it just, it was a balm. Yeah. So I could actually see becoming a a spectator or a viewer on Twitch. Mm Mm-hmm. The idea of having my things being streamed live, I, I, I might piddle. <laughs> yeah, 
you know, my, my kind of my look at my, my, my take on Twitch right now is, you know, I do have a roommate who is a professional Twitch streamer and I'll, he's also a um, a bouncer at a bar. But since all the bars in Ohio are closed, that job mm-hmm. doesn't exist anymore. But he makes enough money from Twitch streaming that he doesn't need that second job. Um, wow. He's got, I think, 350 subscribers. And I think the minimum level you can subscribe at is five dollars a month. So I don't know. Nice. What he's bringing in, but he's bringing in money from just Twitch streaming. Now, could I watch something on Twitch without paying to view it? Yes, yeah. you can. Okay. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you could totally just watch him play classic NES games in- all day long if you wanted to. And one thing that I think is um, different about watching somebody play video games versus watching somebody <laughs> playing tabletop role-playing games is, you know, as a tabletop role-playing streamer, you're not going to be you couldn't you can't stream that forty hours a week. Where <laughs> um, I mean, Bobby f- is literally playing video games like forty hours a week on his Twitch stream, and people are just like tuning in, and th- some people are actively watching it. Some people just have it going on in the background. I mean, this is a player who has like he's he has the world's record for the fastest speed run of Mega Man Nine, you know, oh, and like and he just broke that world's record like a couple days ago. So it's like, he's somebody who like people actually are really interested in watching him play because he's a really high level player who can do very impressive things. So I get why people would want to watch that. I get why people want to watch the weekly Twitch games with uh, Brendan as well. Sure. For that same reason. I mean, it's instructive if nothing else. And I I get why people would want to watch Jason Hobbs on. Do you? Oh, well, no, uh, never mind. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. I, I, I get why people would want to watch Bruce paint minis. Uh, it, it'd be instructive, it'd be zen-like, sure. and, but look, and a, a work of art. Love it or loathe it, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of watching games particularly, but it's done the whole thing a world of good. I mean, yeah. all the 5e stuff, you know. Whatever you think of those people in those games, it has grown the hobby. And yeah. it's DCC got some limelight, and, and, and there's an avenue. And if anything good's come from this whole lockdown situation, I think it's hopefully given Goodman Games a bit of a kick up the backside to, to, to go digital <laughs> and start to embrace this technology. Because uh, in the nicest possible way, Joseph, you've been a little bit behind the curve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no doubt. The fact that they're only now offering PDFs with print. I mean, I think it's great that they are, but it's like, why did it take so long? Yeah. Well, that was last year. Well, that was last year. I only got the just... email announcement about it oh, like last week. So if they did it last year, they didn't oh, do a very good job of telling store. people about it. As opposed to printing it on the inside cover to go get your PDF copy at drive-thru. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's an all-in-one. Yeah, yeah. No, that that is a big deal because... But the copy through drive-thru also... Uh, pertain to copies that you would pick up in person Mm -hmm. at, say, a convention, which we don't have that avenue for at this point. It is both a great thing that they are doing it and a big and and I've been and I had been wondering why they hadn't been doing it this whole time (laughs) since everybody else seemed to have been doing that this whole time. (laughs) And to anybody interested in CyclopsCon, it is through tabletop events. Mm -hmm. Uh, CyclopsCon actually shows up in the list of upcoming conventions. You just need to get a a badge for the con, which I think is five bucks. Yeah. Uh, if you run two games, you're getting your badge refunded. And uh, yeah, um, I I do know all the summoners are free. I don't know if there is a badge required or if they're just doing that uh, like on a live stream Twitch thing, like the What's New with Goodman Games mm-hmm. or the the Appendix N uh, seminars. 
Um, I think they're doing uh, How to Write Adventures That Don't Suck, etc. And uh, one run of the DCC College, which should be fun. Um, and Thorne and I are doing an appendix and trivia hour. That's what that is. Okay. Yeah, we're doing an appendix and trivia hour between the two um, evening um, seminars on Saturday. Cool. Um, oh, so that would be four o'clock then. Um, no, EST, no? it's um, eight o'clock, yeah. I believe. Oh, that's right. Sunday is the college and what's new. That's right. I yeah, think, it's Saturday, um, 8 p.m. Yeah. Eastern Standard Time. But, you know, if you also consider that, you know, tabletop uh, events is also going under and part of this also helps them. And, Correct. You know, kind of, kind of thrown back to what uh, Julian started to mention about uh, the con of champions, because tabletop events has been an, an invaluable resource yeah. to so many conventions. They're incredible. I, I think the most important thing to say about Cyclops Con, because we're going to try to drop this uh, within, you know, 24 to 48 hours, is as of today, there's still like 12 pages of games that have tickets open. Yeah. So don't, nice. so don't think because you, you may not have got off the block right away on it that you won't be able to get, a, get into some games. Go check it out. Hopefully there's some, and there, I bet there are still people submitting games, so it's not that that's yes. necessarily a finite uh, amount filling up either. Well, it was really funny because they were trying to balance some of the game load and they were pulling people off of a lot of the evening games and putting them in the morning, mm. but then they were realizing that, well, these morning slots, that's great for the UK people, but that's about it. And so they're moving some of those morning slots back to the evening because, you know, that's what the trend is showing us. So I have a keep your eyes open. You can search for things by GMs, too. Yeah. Sorry, judges. There's, uh, there's some awesome games still up there, I know. Um, I wish I had more time to play. Um, speaking of that time difference, I have a player who's getting up at 4 a.m. to play in one of my games. So oh. <laughs> <I am very laughs> oh, 4 a.m. Eastern? 4 a.m. Pacific. Hmm. Yeah, wow. Ah. And that's only a, an 11 a.m. game. And I can tell you that Bob is running a game that starts at 2 a.m. Eastern, specifically for people in other time zones. Wow. Wow, that's that's pretty epic. On both uh, dedication yes. or something. I'll be uh, not running at 2 a.m. <laughs> I might be hosting a social hour, but I'm not running at 2 a.m. I know my limits. <laughs> Me too. Uh, should be a really good time, though. Yeah, and I just checked. I'm running two games for Cyclops Con, and one of mine is full, but there's still one seat remaining for one of mine. So maybe <gasps> that's still going to be available when this Ooh, drops. How could that be? I don't know, but uh, I'll be running. Because both of the adventures I'm running are going to be from the Dungeoneer magazine, one from issue one and one from issue two. And oh, the one cool. I'm running from issue two is the Fabled Garden of Merlin, and there's still one seat remaining for that one. Mm. Nice. Yeah, Bruce, what are you running? Uh, I'm running Neb and Pendlebrook, and I am running Madhouse Meat. I'm actually running it twice. One's technically an off-books game, um, just because I couldn't make the scheduling work with the, with the time difference. And I'm playing in one of Jen's games, which I'm super excited about. Ooh, which one? Um, not Rats. What was the other the other Langmar one? Oh, so I'm running... Uh, two of my sandboxy games as well as three that are published uh the rats of ilthmar well at least that one will be shortly published uh the tooth of tooth of no Ombrosk, 
which is the one set in the Land of the Eight Cities, and Cheating Death, which is Tim McCallan's. Whoa, and I just looked the at the people the- who are playing in my games, and this is going to be an awesome run. And actually, for, for Fable Garden of Merlin, both uh, Carnes and Trevor are signed up. Oh, nice, nice. Well, that's you had you signed up later, right, to run, and I know Trevor was signed up later to play. So that's what I was saying. There's cascading waves of people still submitting events. So yeah, just because you you know are coming in late doesn't mean that there aren't great GMs who are still submitting events. So get in there. And according to tabletop events, there's still ten thousand uh, seats available for the appendix and trivia hour. No. <laughs> what? That's what it says. No worries. It says tickets available, 10,000. No, well, what, you are bigger uh, than the Beatles. What platform are you using? For uh, the games or for the Appendix and Trivia Hour? Trivia. Um, that's going to be through Twitch. It's going to be Zoom through Twitch. I'm not exactly sure how that's working yet. I'm going to be chatting with somebody over at Goodman Games to figure out how we're doing that. But I believe that I will be streaming Zoom through Twitch um, and my Twitch stream is, I believe, going to be um, um, shared on the Goodman Games page during that hour, I think. I'm not sure. It'll be through Twitch, though. Twitch, Twitch, Twitch. Okay, so they'll submit their answers through there? Um, actually, there is a online game platform called Kahoot, which a lot of my professors have been using in my mm-hmm. online courses, and it's uh, basically um, like a game interface where you were where, where um, um, the questions will be asked on the screen and you can answer the questions either on your computer or on your or, or on your phone. You just go to a website and an- enter your answers there. So that will be where you will be answering the questions. Interesting. And the people who win will be winning prizes. Ooh, what are the prizes, Jeff? Tell us. Um, they're still in the process of being worked out, but I believe some of them are going <laughs> to be some um, some like factory prints of different covers of products uh, from Goodman Games. I think Thorin is also considering throwing in a module or two. Uh, we'll see. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Jen, what have you got going on at Cyclops Con? Um, well, I ran through... Uh, doing two of the sandboxy scenarios uh, that I've grown kind of accustomed to here. Um, I, that's a lie. City of Seven Score, Thousand and One Smokes is one that I've run for a number of cons. Uh, the Kleshite Treasure is actually a brand new one to me, and that's going to follow my first Lankmar 101 seminar, so that's going to be kind of a, a sketchy hour for Jen. Uh, but then the Rats of Ilthmar, the Tooth of Noel, Brosk, and Cheating Death, which is the San Julian cover of the one that came in your your packs if you kickstarted. Cool. What are you doing, Julian? Uh, I've got uh, one Dying Earth adventure, uh, and then got a Nowhere City adventure, very sandboxy thing that I've never run before. So I'm panicking and playtesting that shortly. And then, <laughs> um, but I think it's going to actually be really silly and fun, hopefully. That's that I'm looking forward to a lot. And then a couple uh, things that I've done, the Home for the Holodeath, my old MCC adventure, <laughs> running once for MCC and one for DCC, just to oh. bury it up and see what happens. And then um, running... Are you, are you ready? 
wait for it. Gesh of the Starcons will be uh, my <laughs> other name. Is that spelled G E S H? No, no, no. And we have a <laughs> we have a real we will have a real Irish school pagan letter in the uh, hopper to talk about pronouncing stuff, but that's normal. which is funny because it still doesn't agree with some of our Irish friends. Well, he's not, it's hilarious. He's not really Irish, but anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> Sweet. Well, guys, is there anything else you wanted to chat about in relation to online gaming, or should we wrap this thing up? I want to play in one of Bruce's games. We'll do yeah, it. Do we'll, we'll make it happen. Seriously. Um, um, maybe not the <laughs> convention weekend. We're all going to be wiped out. But let's take the opportunity and, and make the time zones work and, and get together. It's a long month. Yeah. yeah. So, so <laughs> long Now month. that we've officially repurposed to Spellburn UK, um, Sean Richer and friends, <laughs> if, you, if you'd like to be on the show, uh, please come on down. I, I think uh, we're having a jolly old time here on Spellburn. And... Uh, you know, let's keep it going. Email us at the band at spellburn.com. Leave reviews, blah, blah, blah. This is not news to you guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And remember, if you've got your video turned on, they can still see if you're touching your face or not. You've been listening to Spellburn. Copyright 2017. Theme song has been graciously provided by Glitter Wizard. Learn more at glitterwizard.fancamp.com.